Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hello there and good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. Hope that you have your cup of coffee ready or your cup of tea this morning because we're going to be talking about Simon the Sorcerer from Acts chapter 8. And I'm actually really excited to talk about this particular story in scripture because I just think it's very interesting. And I think that Peter's response to Simon the Sorcerer is especially interesting. So we're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about was Peter's response good? Was it not so good? We're also going to just talk about who Simon the Sorcerer is because he's only mentioned here in this uh, particular portion we're going to be reading today. So if you're looking for a good coffee to drink while listening to the Bible Explained podcast, I highly recommend going over to Seven Weeks Coffee because they support babies in the womb. 10% of everything they make goes toward pregnancy centers. And not only that, they are now also offering K-Cups for those of you who have Keurigs and uh, don't have the refined palate of just drinking drip coffee. (laughs) I know I'm teasing you guys. I actually used to love Keurigs. I, I had a Keurig for many years and uh, one day it just broke. It broke and I was very disappointed because I loved just putting the little K-cup in the Keurig and just having an instant cup of coffee. It was amazing. And then I ended up getting a drip coffee pot because they're much cheaper than Keurigs and um, ended up making drip coffee. And ever since then, I haven't looked back. I've been happy with my drip coffee. But for those of you who are looking for something more than drip coffee, Seven Weeks Coffee now offers K-Cups. So that's a very exciting and new development for Seven Weeks Coffee. Check them out because they are linked in the description of this podcast episode. All right, let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 8 verses 9 through 24. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version as I always do. Please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer and let's read this together. But there was a certain man, Simon by name, who used to practice sorcery in the city and amaze the people of Samaria, making himself out to be some great one, to whom they all listened, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is that of great power of God. They listened to him because for a long time he amazed them with his sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news concerning God's kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Simon himself also believed. Being baptized, he continued with Philip, seeing signs and great miracles occurring, he was amazed. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whomever I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart isn't right before God. Repent therefore of this, your wickedness, and ask God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the poison of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that none of these things which you have spoken may happen to me. 
A great persecution of the church had just happened before this. We talked about how Stephen was martyred. He was the first martyr of the early church. And so after that, the entire church spread out. Basically, they all left because they were being deeply persecuted by the Pharisees and also by Saul, who was about to become Paul. So the church leaves Jerusalem and goes all over everywhere. One of the men who leaves is actually a guy that worked side by side with Stephen in the widow's ministry. His name was Philip. And so he actually went to Samaria. He was basically the only Jewish guy that thought to go to a Gentilish region. So Philip heads over to Samaria and starts preaching the good news to the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were ready to receive it. They were actually very excited about Stephen's words. And so it says that the people were gladly receiving Philip, gladly receiving the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and they were actually getting baptized as well. But there is a certain man who lived in Samaria, and his name was Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon the Sorcerer, I believe, was a real sorcerer because it says that he charmed all of Samaria with his sorceries. And I'm not of the belief system that sorcery and witchcraft is not real. I do think that it is real. Um, I, I know people who don't believe it's real, that it's all just like magic tricks and, and uh, stuff like that. But personally, I do think that sorcery and witchcraft are real because we know that Satan does have limited power and he can lend his limited power to human beings at certain points. For example, there was a man talked about that Jesus healed who had a legion of demons inside of him. And that legion of demons was actually giving that man who they were possessing superhuman strength. And he was able to rip chains off of himself and stuff like that. So I do think that sorcery is real. I do think that witchcraft is real. And I think Simon was a real sorcerer. And because he was a sorcerer and because Satan lent him whatever ability Simon had, it says that the people actually listened to Simon and they said this about Simon. They said in verse 10, this man is that great power of God. And they listened to Simon because for a long time he had amazed them with his sorceries. So the people of Samaria believed that because Simon could do some supernatural things, they believed he was of God. And so this is where Christians have to be very careful. We have to be careful because not all quote unquote miracles come from God. We have to be very, very careful that we don't just assume that because somebody can do something amazing that they are from God. That's very anti-biblical, actually. And uh, this is another story where people believed that because Simon could do some sorceries, that he was of God. But that was not the case. Simon was using the power of Satan to do those sorceries, not the power of God. But here's what ends up happening. Simon becomes saved. He believes in Philip's message of the gospel. And Simon ends up uh, getting baptized and not just getting baptized, but he becomes a disciple of Philip. So he's like walking around with Philip, learning everything about Jesus through Philip. And he's seeing all these great signs and miracles that are occurring. And Simon is amazed at what he's seeing Philip doing with the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what's really interesting about that. Simon had done sorceries. Simon had wowed the people with his sorceries, but Simon was wowed by true power. That means that whatever Simon could do was nowhere near the level of what 
Philip could do. And that's why I say that Satan has very limited power, right? Because uh, he's no match at all for the Holy Spirit. And so Simon recognizes this. He sees what Philip's doing. Philip's actually performing real miracles, performing real signs. And Simon is absolutely amazed at the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can truly do. So it says here, though, now here's what's interesting about the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit at this point in time had not rested on any of the people of Samaria yet. Even though they had been baptized in Jesus's name, the Holy Spirit had not yet come to the people of Samaria. So this poses a question, and I've answered this before on the podcast. Um, Can a person be saved without having the Holy Spirit? And I believe, yes, they can, because just as a person can be saved before they get water baptism, you know, like what we do in church right now, a person can be saved before they get that water baptism. And a person can also be saved, I believe, before receiving the Holy Spirit. And that's pretty evident from this story right here in scripture that the Samaritan people didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, yet they were saved. It's very, very clear that they were in fact saved. But I do believe that even though a person can be saved before receiving the Holy Spirit, that every uh, Christian, that every saved individual will experience a baptism of the Holy Spirit at some point after they become saved. But there's a lot of mystery surrounding the Holy Spirit, and I believe that that is intentional, that there's mystery surrounding the Holy Spirit. There's so many things about the Holy Spirit that we will just never understand. We know that he is limitless. We know that he is a person. We know that the Holy Spirit can talk, but the Holy Spirit is so outside of our understanding. I think that... uh, There's always just going to be mystery surrounding the Holy Spirit. But I do know that we cannot limit the Holy Spirit. We cannot put him into a box. And that was what Stephen's entire sermon was about before he got martyred. Just a chapter before this in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was telling the Pharisees, like, look, you cannot limit the Holy Spirit because they believed that the Holy Spirit only resided in the temple. And Stephen was saying, no, that's wrong. Like, the Spirit is is everywhere and he can appear to anyone that he wants to appear to. He can help anyone, no matter what their situation. So you cannot limit the Holy Spirit. And so that's just what I believe. And uh, honestly, there's things about the Holy Spirit that I'm always going to be confused about and I'm never truly going to know or understand about the Holy Spirit. But it's very clear here that these Samaritan Christians had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. So the apostles are called down to Samaria and two of them come, Peter and John comes down to Samaria. And it it says that they begin praying for the people and laying their hands on them so that they might receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now we know in scripture that there is something to the laying of hands on somebody for receiving the Holy Spirit. This isn't the first time this is mentioned. Um, There's many other verses that talk about how when an elder or or an apostle lays their hands on somebody, uh, the Holy Spirit works through that. So there's something about that physical touch that the Holy Spirit uses. And I I don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't have the answer for that. I don't know. But the apostles do, in fact, lay their hands on the Samaritan people and they begin receiving the Holy Spirit. And I would imagine this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming to the Samaritans where they're beginning to receive 
uh, spiritual gifts, perhaps like gifts of tongues or gifts of prophecies or of healings or miracles or preaching or teaching or uh, any of the other uh, tons of gifts that the Holy Spirit can give to somebody. That's what I think this is. So the Samaritan people begin receiving the Holy Spirit. And so now Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands. Okay, so Simon the sorcerer, don't forget him. He's looking at this and he's just like, wow, like these people are getting the Holy Spirit. They're starting to, you know, prophesy and speak in tongues maybe. And wow, this is so amazing. How can I receive this power to give to other people? So his old sorcerer mindset is like coming back a little bit where he's just like, I can benefit from this. And he's he's just thinking about money. And so he's like, I can seriously benefit from like real power. You know, I used to do like sorcery stuff, but man, look how much better this is. And so he's like, I can give this gift to other people. So he goes up to Peter saying, give me also this power that whomever I lay my hands on may also receive the Holy Spirit. And this is just due to Simon being such a baby Christian, not understanding that the Holy Spirit can't just be given to whoever Simon wants to give it to whoever will pay Simon money, right? But that the Holy Spirit is given to the church and it's a special gift through the sacrifice of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a special gift. So Simon, he's back in his old sorcerer mindset and he says, I'll pay you to give me this power as well because he thinks the apostles can actually like somehow give Simon the power to give the Holy Spirit to other people as well so that maybe Simon could get more fame or money for, you know, quote unquote, giving people the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't, first and foremost, he doesn't understand. And yes, he was coming from a place of greed here and his old mindset was coming back. So Peter says to Simon, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. So see, Peter says right here, No, this is a gift from God. This is a gift given to Christians. You can't obtain it with money. Then he says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart isn't right before God. He says, look, Simon, your heart isn't right. Then he says, repent therefore of this, your wickedness and ask God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the poison of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. So let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that this was an appropriate response from Peter? I could not find a single thing online that said that this was not an appropriate response from Peter. But when I read this, I think Peter has a point in that, yes, Simon was being extremely greedy and that this was wrong for Simon to do. But I think also that Peter expressed to this somewhat incorrectly. And (laughs) let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, It says, verse 22, repent therefore of this, your wickedness, and ask God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. But that's the thing is, is unless I'm missing something here and Simon was crossing over into blaspheming the Holy Spirit territory, which he very well may have, and perhaps Peter is on point here, and perhaps Peter was saying this uh, specifically because he believed Simon was in danger of committing some great sin, which may have been the case. I don't actually know. And this is my own opinion. 
unless I'm missing something there, I do think that Peter was wrong in verse 22 to say, repent therefore of this and ask God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. That little perhaps there is insinuating that Simon may not be forgiven of this sin. But we know that the entire message of Jesus is that he forgives sins. And so I I think that it might have been wrong, perhaps for Peter, to insinuate that Simon might not be forgiven for this sin. And we see that Simon is very distraught here. He answers, pray for me to the Lord that none of these things which you've spoken may happen to me. And so Simon doesn't get the point. He doesn't get the point that it's about a relationship with Jesus, which is what Philip had been preaching this entire time to the Samaritans, that it's all about Jesus' sacrifice to us and how we have a relationship now with God and we have a free gift of the Holy Spirit. Simon didn't get it. Instead, he, he asks Peter to pray for him. Unfortunately, Peter doesn't correct that. He doesn't say, Simon, you pray, you know, for God to forgive you of your sins. Instead, there's there's no more to this story. This is where it ends, and Simon the Sorcerer is never mentioned again. So honestly, I, I don't know if this was a bad response on Peter's end or not, because I don't know Simon's heart. I don't know if Simon was crossing over into a territory that um, was just really not good, like similarly to how Ananias and Sapphira had done when they lied to the Holy Spirit and they were immediately punished for it. Perhaps Simon was doing that. But if Simon just didn't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit because he was a Samaritan who hadn't heard it before and he was a baby Christian, I do wonder if Peter's response to Simon was both a little bit harsh and a little bit almost arrogant to say that Simon may not be able to receive forgiveness from the Holy Spirit. So that brings me back to an episode that I did a handful of weeks ago, which was cracks forming in the early church. And one of the cracks that I mentioned was that the apostles had become a little bit arrogant. And I think Peter, perhaps that was the sin he struggled with because all human beings, except for Jesus, struggled with sin. And uh, Peter did struggle with arrogance in some ways because he was always, you know, when he was with Jesus, he was always, you know, claiming that he was the greatest. He told Jesus that he would never abandon Jesus. And then even later on, we see that Peter thought of himself as a little bit better than the Gentiles of the region because he didn't even believe that Romans could receive the Holy Spirit, we find out later on. So perhaps Peter did struggle with a little bit of arrogance in his his ministry. But I don't want to take away from the heart of the story. It's talking about a man named Simon who was once a sorcerer who received God's grace, but he went back in a way to his old ways. And so I'd like to read 2 Corinthians 5 to conclude here, starting in verse 15. It says that he, or Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, The new is here. So this just shows that Christians are supposed to no longer look back at the life they used to live before they were Christians, but to become something new, become a new creation. We aren't supposed to live double lives. We aren't supposed to dabble in the things that we used to do or dabble in things that are anti-Christian. 
Instead, we are supposed to become more and more like Christ. Because when we become more and more like Christ, we are actually going back to God's original design for us. And I talk about that a lot on the podcast, about how God designed us to live and to be a certain way, way back in the Garden of Eden before people messed it up. We were designed to live a certain way. Specifically, we were designed to be in relationship with God. And so when we're in relationship with God, we actually are healthier, happier people because that was how we were literally created to be was to be in relationship with God. And Jesus teaches us how to be in relationship with God. And so as we become more and more like Jesus, and as we put away the stuff that we used to do, like uh, no longer do it, and we focus more on how Jesus calls us to live, we're going to be more in relationship with God the Father, which is ultimately the only thing that can really fulfill us. Faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you gained something from it. But I also hope that you uh, tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists because word of mouth is amazing. And uh, it's a great way to evangelize as well as by telling people about a biblical podcast. But friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode of Judges. I am looking forward to tomorrow's episode because we're basically talking about uh, the downfall of Israel from here on out in the book of Judges. And we're going to get into some really, really crazy stories that uh, Judges talks about. But friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow. Happy listening and God bless. Thank you.